Welcome to Across the Park podcast, a football podcast on both Everton and Liverpool Football Club, produced by six mates, the three Reds, Gary, Phil and Terry, and the three Blues, myself, Millsy, Judgy and Craig. Each Monday, we release our latest show, where we discuss the ongoing matters with both teams, whether it be good or bad, opposing views, opinions, banter and debate. We are proud to be a family-friendly football podcast and you can find more about us on our website, www.acrosstheparkpodcast.co.uk. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a show on your preferred podcast listening app and make sure you give us a follow on our social media. Twitter is Across the Park PC, Instagram is Across the Park PC and Facebook search Across the Park. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hello everyone, welcome to Across the Park podcast, episode 43 of the 2019-20 season. I am so delighted to say we're finally doing an episode where we've got some actual Premier League football to talk about. It's been a long, what has it been, eight, eight nine, ten weeks? One hundred days, yeah, so again, I can't even keep up with how, how long it's been, but as I say, delighted that we're going to be able to discuss not only some Premier League football, but a Merseyside derby coming up. This Sunday, Father's Day, that's my excuse for not focusing on the football this weekend. But before we speak about the, the derby itself, how are you all feeling about the Premier League returning? Yeah, I'm proper made up for it. I can't wait. To, you know, it's, it's just been too long, hasn't it? You know, and, and hasn't really felt real. The way it's just sort of gone, it's faded into the background of, of my mind. Like it just disappeared a little bit, but then now it's starting to get that excitement building again. We're getting to watch some footy and stuff. Yeah, except for we've waited just over 100 days and we come back to Villa versus Sheffield United. Well, I should have said in the intro there, I'm not quite as polished as Millsy. We've got Terry and Phil representing the Reds tonight, myself and Craig representing the Blues. How are you feeling about the return, Craig? Um, it's it's come quick, too quick to be honest. I don't want it to happen. <laughs> it's certainly come too quick for some of our players. By the by, the sounds of it, we'll get to that when we when we preview the the game later on. Um, the, there's been I've I've caught some of the the La Liga action over the last few days, and I've got to say, I mean, we've spoke about this in previous podcasts, but it, it's really hit home in the, in the last week or so. The difference in the quality of La Liga compared to the Bundesliga. I mean, I. I I was one of the ones, like I think many of our listeners, and certainly some of us on the podcast, that I always believed that almost, the, well, certainly recently, the closest similarity in terms of styles and the the pace of the league was the Bundesliga, it's the Premier League. But I've been proved very wrong, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, I don't know whether you, 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 you're obviously talking about the quality of the football, but even just the quality of watching it in in the difference yeah. now with like. The way when when the German football came back and it was played in silence in front of empty stands, but one thing we we talked about on our podcast the way La Liga were doing a different tech solution and just seeing them have that virtual crowd so that when you're watching on the telly it looks like the the stands are full and actually yeah. hearing background noise it's night and day, isn't it? To watch Change your perceptions, isn't it? Oh, absolutely. Because like I think you you know you watch the first game or two in, in the Bundesliga and you were like, oh yeah, it's all right, but it's a bit weird. And then yeah. I, I watched La Liga, I watched the Real Madrid, some of the Real Madrid game there last night, and I just thought, oh, this is miles better, at least having some background noise and some crowd noise, and being able to not see just empty seats. Is, that, is, that, is that something they're going to do with the Premier League games? Yeah, so so the Premier League have, have sort of said that they're going to use the same sort of idea. They haven't confirmed whether they're going to do the virtual crowd yet, like what La Liga, they, they said they were going to do that from day one. Um, and as I said on the pod, like they it was like one one viewing angle when you're watching the match will, will show the virtual crowds, but when it goes to a, a break in the game and the camera angle has to change for players on like taking throw ins and that or close ups, then it'll show like sort of uh, you know messages that the ground in the grounds or like the, what the mm. club want to show rather than the crowds up close, which is obviously yeah. just a fee computer picture which of a crowd. Be weird, yeah. weird um, pixelated images. Yeah. Two D um, images, some fella. <laughs> but the Premier League have said that they're definitely going to do the background noise, like the, the you know, which which the Bundesliga in fairness on BT have started to introduce as well, mm. and it's improved it. But they haven't confirmed yet what they're doing in terms of like the the imagery. Um, but I I think it definitely helps because after after a few minutes and when you've seen that it's a fake crowd, it just blends background though. You don't notice it. You stop looking at it. Do you know what I mean? It just looks like watching a normal game then. But we were going to cover it later on, but I'm going to ask you new now, Phil. Um, we're obviously approaching the Merseyside derby this weekend, Sunday. Um, and, a, and a big part of this build-up normally is, is is not only the fans, you know, having a bit of banter, it's also talking about, like, the preparation for the game and going the game and going to the pub before the game and being in there. And, and, and particularly the game at Goodison, 
we try our best, you know, because, you know, certainly in the last few years, you've had the upper hand in t- oh, <laughs> for quite a long time. You've had up the upper hand <laughs> Ten in terms years of quality, <laughs> quality of players, I was going to say. So we normally have to do what we can to try and make that atmosphere as hostile as possible. Yeah. How much of a difference? Well, it's obviously a massive difference, but does this feel like a real derby to you? And is it a real derby? I mean, it, it is going to be for the players, isn't it? The players have still got the pride of Merseyside derby. You know, it means more to the fans than other games. So I think in their eyes, you'd say that it meant a lot to them. But it obviously lacks a lot of the, a lot of the things that make a derby special and unique, um, namely the, the build-up and, and, and the home fans in attendance. When we talk about who that's going to favour favor and stuff later in the show, it'll be, you know... Well, I'm going to ask you now, because I, I want to focus on Terry, who's been speaking about the atmosphere and the lack yeah. of atmosphere for the viewers. Well, but but the, right, players yeah, are well, gonna, the players aren't going to benefit from this, you know, virtual crowd, are no. they? No. no, and if, if you look at how it's gone in Germany, the, the home crowd advantage has not been a thing. The, the better teams have, have come away with the points, haven't they? So, but in the derby, there's another dynamic in that. The, the Everton crowd can be notoriously difficult you know, for Everton to, to, to play in front of, um, especially if things aren't going well in, that, um, in derbies. So, you know, it, it could take a load off Everton, but if you look at how it's gone in Germany, you'd, it'd suggest otherwise. Okay. I think... Oh, sorry, go on. Go on, Craig. He was going to ask me something then. <laughs> yeah, Craig, I was just going to say, uh, what, what, what's your thoughts on it in terms of, you know, Phil was saying then obviously he leans towards the away team having that advantage and, mm-hmm. and points at, you know, what can often be a hostile environment for the, the Everton players to experience. I'm not sure I feel about that way on a Merseyside derby day. I, th- I think whatever's going on in the league and whatever's going on with our form, we're thoroughly behind the players on, on, on Derby Day, as we are most, you know, in early all games. But what are your feelings on the lack of a crowd and the lack of any atmosphere and what impact it might have on, the, on, on our team? Well, I think Phil's right. He's, he's pointed to the Bundesliga and home advantage hasn't really counted it as usually being the, the better teams come out on top. I think, I think what makes the difference from an Everton point of view and maybe doesn't give us the edge, but I think if it was played at a neutral venue, it would have been even lesser favourites, and it would have maybe taken the edge off the derby itself. I think the very fact that Park, we played 50% of our games there, I think you've, you've sort of got to fancy your chances, even against Liverpool. You've got to, you've got to hope that the, the Everton players turn up and, and, and want it as, as much as if there was 40,000 there. Yeah, is it, is I think the familiarisation of the you know that you surround. Yeah, it's your grounds, isn't it? That, I think that's what yeah. you're getting at, isn't it, Craig? It's your grounds, and you still there's still like there's you know they walk in and and it's our home pitch, and even if the, the fans aren't there, I think I think you're right, and the players will still sort of feel we've got to get up for this. This is our patch, you know what I mean? No matter. Well, it's, what it's home, isn't it? It's it's yeah. it's home, and you've got to you have got to make home a band just because it's it hasn't worked away in in the Bundesliga. Doesn't mean it's not going to happen. The Premier League's like you 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 said before. It's a totally different kettle of fish, isn't it? Yeah, I think for for me, you know, you 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 asked there, Judge, is it does it feel like a derby? I think there's definitely something in it saying that without the fans to feed energy, you know, there might be a little bit of a less of an, an edge to the game. Um, but for me as a fan, it doesn't really feel like a derby as such because. Part of the problem is it's not just that we're not in the grounds. You're not at work. You're not mixing with with like mm. the other blues and reds and that. You know where you sort of like sort of saying, I am. like each week. Well, maybe you are. I'm. I'm not. You know what I mean. I'm working from home, and it's not the same when you're just texting your blue. Work with Manx. Work with Manx anyway. <laughs> well, I, I work in Manchester, yeah, but you <laughs> just he... being at like around. You know, like that's part of the, the the thing in Liverpool on a derby day. You know, that's going on in workplaces all over the city, yeah. isn't it? Winding mm. each other up and that banter and and, and all that. And without that, it's just. It feels well, like there's just a little bit of a, a less bit empty, empty, isn't it? It's a little yeah, bit let empty. Me, let me tell you, if Arsenal do City on Wednesday, it'll, it'll feel rank, like a It'll crank, it'll crank up and it. yeah. The Reds will be right up for it. The WhatsApp groups will be going wild. So, you know, that'll, turn, that'll put the derby atmosphere right back in. I, th- I, th- I, th- I think like any derby, me see, I'll, I'll be dreading the whole day. So, I, just, I don't think it matters if, we're, if I'm sitting in the upper gladders or sitting... In, in a back garden, what's that? Open the sun, still cracking the flags, and watching it, watching it that way. I'm still going to be nervous for Sunday. If we can win, if we, if we, if we can win that league at Goodison, you wouldn't have been there anyway, would you? Just wasn't, wasn't that the, the chat that you were all going to oh, yeah. No difference, yeah. is it? 
depends how much of the got for it. Like, and, um, <laughs> no, um, in all seriousness, and we're not gonna, we're obviously gonna get into the realms of of of, of politics or anything. But I, I almost hope that City do win, just so it's not, it doesn't become too much of a of a scene. Do you know what I mean? Because mm. the last thing the country needs, and certainly this city, is for a congregation, a massive congregation, to happen at Goodison, and for it to become a a violent scene, do you know what I mean? Because if it, if it's perceived that your fans are, are coming just to kind of rub it in our faces, then there's going to be a element of our fans wanting to kind of stop that. Do you know what I mean? So part of me hopes that at least we can enjoy it for the game and it being an Everton Liverpool game, as opposed to it being anything else. If City win on on what day is it Thursday? If Arsenal win, you mean? Sorry, mm. I, yeah. No, if yeah. if City yeah. win, it's just a game, isn't it? It's not yeah, yeah. Having a saying, chance to yeah, win yeah. the league, because it's a derby game where. You know, we've got a chance to win and, and, and salvage something from what's been a, a tough season for us and, and use a trying to obviously accelerate the process of, of getting close to the league. And listen, we've, st- we've still got, you know, nine games of the season left to play. There's, there's European places still left at stake and there is a bit of the season left to go. To, yeah, but know, and, so... and even more, so, and that's even more of a reason why I want the game to be about three points and about getting one over your rivals. And, and like you say, Craig, it's three points closer to us, maybe salvaging something from the season. Whereas it being just about Liverpool and just about Liverpool's chance to win the league and us being kind of a, a bit of a sideshow. All the yeah. other things that might go off as a result of that. I'm hoping that nothing goes off. And I'm optimistic it won't. I mean, obviously, there's the chance there, and it'd be terrible scenes if there was scrapping outside the Gutterson and, and crowds and all that. But I've got more faith in in. in in the fans, to be honest, you know, there's nothing to go to the ground for. There's no crowd noise to hear. You can't watch the game. I'm sure everyone in the pool want to watch the game. So, and, and you know, certainly us as a podcast, we're urging everyone not to go to the ground. All the other fan sites are doing the same. And with the spotlight on us, I really hope that the, the people of Liverpool, Blue and Red, you know, step up. And um, like Jürgen Klopp said, Liverpool, he thinks Liverpool have got the best home fans in the world. Now we need to, to be the best stay-at-home fans in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, I hope we can rise to it. He's got enough of them, Phil, so I think he's a real Use it in the minority, the ones who go the game. <laughs> well, we're gonna, obviously, we're going to come on to some of the nitty-gritty of the, of the game. Before we do, I know, I know mentioning that before we, we come on the show that there have been some behind-closed-doors games that, that have taken place over the last seven to ten days. I mean, from the Everton side of it, before we move on to Liverpool, We've only played. We played a, a what was a training game, wasn't it? At good, Goodison, we've seen some highlights yeah. of that. I'm not going to go into the games because they're, they, they don't really hold any significance apart from giving the the lads minutes. Um, what do you what do you make of the fact that we've chose not to play any formal opposition, Craig? Um, I'm not too sure. I mean, obviously Ancelotti probably knows what he's doing, and he, he probably thinks thinks it's best that we keep it all in house. But I do think maybe we should have played. The, you know, against another side, it gives that competitive edge to a game. You know, and you know, Liverpool do they play Blackburn? In, yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. Yeah, I think it, I, it gives good practice, doesn't it, for, to play players that you're unfamiliar with, that you don't play with all the time. These obviously Everton play, you know, every single day and seeing them, whether it be eleven mm-hmm. and be eleven or five be five or six be six or whatever. So yeah. I, I think I would have liked to have seen us, you know. Get get nineteen minutes against against the side, maybe from a division or two below. Was he was he looking at it before you come in, Teddy? Was he looking at it as in it's a chance for more players to get more minutes by playing each other, as opposed to do, do you know what I mean? Because you'd like to think, and, and again, I might be wrong here. I certainly could be wrong based on some of the players in our squad. But you'd like to think that the standard of our squad and our you know our second team, if you like, is better than most teams in the in League One, certainly. And half of the teams maybe in the championship. So is he looking at it from the perspective of, well, if I get thirty odd players there and they can play eleven v eleven, they're gonna between them get more minutes in than if they have to try and field eleven players. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? So I, I think in his defence that might have been one angle and like you say, it could have been the fact that he did want to keep it all in house. Terry, you were gonna No, well, yeah, I was gonna say something. I said uh, I think first and foremost, some of the reasons why they're doing the behind closed doors games is to get the staff used to, you know, mm. sort of the, the the arrangements that they need to sort of function under, you know, the stewards and stuff like that and the cameramen and all that. So I think there's there's, there's a reason, what, that's part of the reason why they're doing them at the grounds to give them a go. But I was going to say what you were saying there, that maybe it, it is, you know, they, they, they haven't played football for a long time now. 
to just step into a, a competitive game. Maybe you know he, he has thought I'm best getting all my players playing, you know, on, on a proper pitch in a proper match situation. Um, that being said, it it, it it does still look a little bit strange because if you only had one training game at Goodison, Liverpool, I think Liverpool have played two training games between yeah. the squads at Anfield and then played a competitive game. So you're sort of wonder, is it is it the situation that maybe you're just not with injuries and you, the way you've seen some, you've lost some of your players? Could it be that he just thinks the squad was a little bit fragile in a, in a competitive fixture? If some were touch and go fitness-wise, maybe that's part of the, the issue. But I don't really see how, if Liverpool have had three, Everton, why why you've only managed one, especially when well, you're hosting the first game you, back. You haven't had, at Anfield, you haven't had three. He's about the game against Blackburn and another kind of training game. So no, we've probably... had two. We had, yeah, we had two. one at the weekend, a... the weekend just gone, but the footage come out of an Anfield game. Yeah, it? that's what I meant. You've had two, you haven't had three. So, I mean, the... you haven't had two. He's about... Had... Go on. We've had three games at Anfield, two within the squad, yeah. and one, one against Blackburn. One against Blackburn. Okay. I, I'm, because I'm not... because Salah, sure Salah missed the game and uh, Robertson missed the game against um, Blackburn. But then they played in the, in the official game at Anfield at the weekend, just gone. Yeah, it's an, inter- it's an interesting one, really. I'm not sure how how you know how it's going to prepare us for the game, or, or you know how unprepared the players might be as a result of it. I suppose the the, the weekends will will tell its story. Um, I think there's been a mixed bag throughout the Premier League. I know Arsenal got beat three two by Brentford, um, but City haven't played anyone. I don't think they they've kept it in house as well. So I think there's been a mixed bag up and down the Premier League, and you know. Liverpool turned Blackburn over at a canter. So how much did we even get out of that anyway? So, I mean, I don't think it's going to make a big difference um, in the grand scheme of things. It's all about your prep. You know, how fit your players are and stuff like that. Um, you know, throughout, throughout, how fit you've kept throughout the, uh, the break and stuff for me. That one game won't make any odds, I don't think. Yeah, fair enough. Well, we have got some, before we do go on to actually previewing the game, we have got a few questions to get through. Um, yeah. And I, I'll, I'll refer to the last Everton one uh, later on when we, we actually just, you know, preview the Zari because I've got a question from a, a supporter, which was actually a couple of weeks ago now, and it was about Mo Bezic, but I'll, prefer, I'll, I'll refer to that when we, we preview the Zari because it's got a bit of relevance there as well. Okay, well, I'll kick off with a question from Sean Mack on Twitter. He's a red, but it seems like a question for the Blues. So he said, are the Blues worried about the financial impact of the pandemic with rumours of FFP sniffing about prior to all of this? Uh, no, not at all. Um, I, I, I mean, we're only hearing rumours that Everton are teetering on the edge of financial fair play, aren't we? No, it, it, not, it, nothing it, concrete it came out. It is re- it, no, it is concrete because you, you know, because from what you've revealed in your accounts, you know where you are over the three year period and, and you know what, what the state of the revenues and the accounts were and there was and what basically you're spending on wages and stuff. And I think. It worked out that I think you were only within six million of the threshold over the rolling three-year window, so that's pretty close. Okay. Well, I th- well, okay. Well, in terms of wages, I think we're going to be losing quite a few big earners coming the next couple of weeks. I think the likes of Niasi, I think he'll be be going. He's on big wages. Um, looks like we're we're selling Snyderlin. Yeah, there's a, there's a few others there, so we're, we're losing that and. Myself, I think um, Machiri will have a few tricks up his sleeve where he'll probably sponsor the toffee lazy. Just on the losing, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it. I, I, I don't think um, it, it's gonna. Uh, we're gonna be the only club. Do you know what I mean? I, I think it's a fair question in relation to the fact that there's been little to no revenue coming into the club. That that's got to have an impact, absolutely. But I'm I'm also sure at the same time, nothing's been announced yet. Surely FIFA and or, or UEFA have, have got to. I've got to have relax kind of, Yeah, they've got to relax it for a certain period of time. Every other industry is doing it, and and every, you know, every economy's been hit by it. So I can't see how UEFA aren't going to factor that into any judgments they make against clubs at this time. Obviously, if we if we do look to be overly overly reckless in the summer window, and we are taking the mick, to, you know, to for want of a better term, then I think that there'll be some kind of penalty for that but I'm with Craig in a sense that it's, it's certainly not something that overly concerns me at the moment because I think a lot of clubs are going to be in a similar boat of having to really be a little bit more cautious and careful in this window than you may normally have to be Yeah I mean obviously we've got a projected income every club's got a projected income and, and you're talking about 
you know, you're losing some of the wages, but that, that's obviously going to be counted by the lack of, of, of tickets sold, isn't it, for, for, on match day? So, I mean, if, if, you, if you just look at it that way, that means there's no room to buy anyone. So you're really hoping for FFP lenience being applied by FIFA. Well, yeah, it's, not, sure. it, it's not FIFA and UEFA. So, obviously, UEFA is, is if you're playing in any European competitions, which obviously at the moment haven't known, so they, they don't fall onto the UEFA. UEFA's, it's, it's, the, it's the Premier League's financial fair play, which was what right. Everton was failing close to. And it, you're right, I think if, if the revenues aren't coming in, I think Everton pay around 80, 85% of their revenues out as, as wages. Liverpool's around 50, 60%. So, we had, we've got a little bit more latitude, but I think you know we're worried about money. I think you're right. Every club is going to be in that situation. I think the thing with Everton is is, is that whilst what Craig's saying is correct, that big earners are going to leave the wage bill. If you're not getting fees for them players, you you can't then go and spend fees on other on replacements. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Because you, the financial fair play sort of mandates that it, you, it gets to a position where you've got to sell to buy because you've used your buffer, you know, in previous windows, like to basically spend ahead of money that you're going to get in. So, I, I think I think you're right. I think there will be some leniency applied by the Premier League because it makes sense. I think you know to to basically hold clubs to a standard with an unprecedented situation where all revenues have stopped coming into clubs and they haven't even been able to play games. I think there will be some relaxation. But that being said, I think that will only go so far. I, you know, I think it'd be hard to turn around to the Prem and say, well, we're not bringing revenues in. So relax the financial fair play, but then we're going to go and spend millions on players. You know what I mean? Yeah, but so, what you're also not considering, I'm not saying you haven't considered it, but the three years... Obviously, a summer within that three years where we spent a bit of money. So all we've got to do is spend the same amount of money or slightly more, and we're all right. Do you know what I mean? Because that three-year window obviously continues to move, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. But it's it's a it's a three-year rolling window of basically you being able to make X number of losses, and if you spent big in previous windows and you haven't brought money in, that net position hasn't really eroded. So then, if you're spending pretty much all your revenue on wages, which you are then basically it comes down to transfer fees with everything. And you're making losses. If you're spending big on players coming in, but not making big money back on players going out, then you're running up against that loss because you're making losses mm. as, a, as an ongoing entity because you're spending big money on players going coming in and not getting it back on the other side. And that's where Liverpool have been okay because we obviously got the, the Coutinho big, was major money coming in, you know, and, and stuff like that. So that was why we've been able to announce like pretty good record profits and stuff. But, that, that that financial fair play rolling window, you're still paying the price for a couple of two summers worth of big spends under machinery. One, one thing though that really being balanced out. It might be about how deals are structured because it, you know people buy players with and they're paying for them over a five year period and things like that or delayed. Like look at Morata. Morata went to um, Atletico, didn't he? From Chelsea, he was on loan for a year and they're only just getting the fee for him now this mm. summer. So then they've gone and spent that, haven't they? On uh, on Werner. So maybe Everton could structure deals where like the bulk of the money doesn't go over this season. That's yeah. quite common in, in deals for South American players as well, which is which is a market that brands is is, is influenced me more. Um, well, it, it's it's his favourite market. If you like, that's where he, he shopped um, for you know with with PS, PSV and and that's certainly where we've been rumoured to be looking. Um, so hopefully that's the case. I mean, like, like I said money. before at the start of the piece, I can't, I can't say I'm concerned about it at the moment, but but equally with the input that Terry was in there, it is, it, it, to some degree, it'll have to be a concern because we, we do need some investments, some some pretty major investments if you, you factor in some of the issues we're having at the moment with the fitness of our players as well. But that's have something got, we'll come on to. Have you got anyone you can sell, Judy, that you think you'll get a decent fee for that you might want to sell? He's disposable. He's, that's the thing. He's disposable. Um, I mean, it, it, I think a lot of it depends on who the targets are. If, if he's got certain players lined up that he's thinking, you know what, it's a bit of a gem, this, and there's a bit of value here, then some of our players might be more expendable than we, than we think at the moment. Um, I, I think there are some assets there, but at the moment, because of the fact that our, the quality of our squad is so threadbare, then you well, wouldn't really consider getting shut of the likes of, I don't know, um, I mean, you know, not many people are a fan of Jordan Pickford, but he's still England's number one. Therefore, that probably dictates you could get a few quid for him. You know, well, this is a good segue into a couple of questions that we've had on on the social media. Um, you know, there's a question here from Alan Joyce. Evertonians um, have been linked 
very closely with uh, James Rodriguez. Mm. Um, you know, would that be a player that the Blues would be interested in? What, what type of money would you be talking for him? Yeah, obviously, I think he's a player that that, that all Evertonians would be excited to, to to welcome into our squad. It's we, we we've you know certainly in the last two years um, before that I'd say the the emergence of Richarlison because Richarlison came in and, and he was a player that we were excited to get and a player that we were looking forward to seeing. But I, I wouldn't say it's. I think it's probably fair to say that in the last six months we've probably seen some of the best of him since Dominic Calvert Lewin has has kind of come to the fore. He's always he's been very patchy with Charleston, but you know you almost sympathise with him because he's been the only real goal threat up there or regular goal threat. I think James Rodriguez through through his pedigree, you know, whatever you say about him, is a player who makes goals and can score goals. He hasn't had the greatest of times, but equally it's fair to say he's probably been at clubs that maybe have been a little bit too big for him. You know, the, the, the Real Madrid's and Bayern Munich's. There's a lot of big players there that, that maybe take the limelight and he maybe hasn't been the centre of attention that he is for his country. Um, yeah, know, I, th- I think you're right in saying that. But I think the thing with James Rodriguez is that you say he, he still chip, chips in with, with assists and goals no matter where he's been or, you know, where, wherever he's, you know, Flopped, so to speak. I just, I just mean, I just mean the expert living up to what they expected for that price yeah. tag. I, I don't think he could even say that it, that he's achieved at Real Madrid what he wanted or the fans expected. Well, he's playing football at a high level, so and he's a good player, no doubt. But Millsy made the point. I'm, I was speaking to him, you know, off off the show privately, and he was saying about uh, he'd be very nervous about spending massive money on him and a high salary, and he's not doing it. I don't. I don't think we'd be anywhere near interested in him if it was rumoured it was going to be a massive um, fee, and I don't think that he could command a massive fee based on his recent. And I, I get what you're saying, Craig. He still scored and he still produced the system, whatever. But he hasn't been a mainstay at them. The, the clubs have not wanted him. It's been it's been made pretty public that Bayern didn't want to commit to him. You know, it's it's absolutely public that, that Zidane doesn't want him. Therefore, the teams that are in that same bracket as those clubs are not going to be interested in them either because they're not going to want to sign a player that, that is, is not improving club, you know, other clubs that are on the same level as them. Therefore, I don't think the, the fee... I think, to be honest, Phil, you're probably talking about a deal similar to what you've just alluded we should be in the market for. You know, maybe a, a loan so to much. Buy yeah, a loan to buy or, or, you know, you pay so much and on the basis of what the return is from them, we may have to pay more in the future. And that's got to be something that appeals for Everton because there's no doubt he's a world-class player on his day. Um, he's, certainly, sure of those. he's certainly an upgrade on what we've got already and in, that's that, the key in point that position. Yeah, so I think, for me, if he, if he is available and he is available on loan, it's, it's an absolute no-brainer. It's mm. a, a no-brainer. Yeah, I think I think it's one it's one of them, isn't it? As fans, it's like you know we, we sort of get hung up on the fees and stuff like that. But and it, it, as a fan, of course, you want him. You know what I mean. But you don't want him if he destabilizes your club financially. And I think he will come with major wages, wasn't he? And it's like you know, same major he, wages though, Terry. And I'm sorry to even, cut you up. And I, I mean, Schneiderland going out the door is on over a hundred grand. I, I think I, I think Rodriguez is going to be on the thicker end of the. The upper end of nearly two hundred grand a week, isn't he? Given what he went, you know what he, what his move went for. All I was going to say is, as a fan, he's definitely an improvement on what you've got. So why would you care? It's up to the, if the club feel that like they're in a position that they can give him the money. You do you care because you've only got so much budget, and it's how much of your budget. You we, we've also it. seen how that how that can turn out as well. If we don't care, you know, we didn't well, care a few yeah, years right, ago fair, when fair we enough. bought the Davy Classens and Sigurdsons and all that. And now we're looking back at it, thinking we've been hemorrhaged with those deals, and that's that's why we're in this kind of situation where we can't yeah. go and spend money on potentially really good propositions. Well, but it's topic... but, it, but so well sorry it, well it is the fact then isn't it that that you, I, I guess it you know the money side does matter his wages because you might get him on a free look at look at like Aaron Ramsey he went to Juve on a free he's on four hundred grand a week which means that he cost him about eighty million quid or something yeah on on the subject of uh, value and, and Marcel Brands we've had a bit of a rant in from Kay Johnson on the website uh, so I'll, I'll read the rant out it says I don't want to add any unnecessary pressure on Brands but. On the unlikely chance that we do sign Thiago Silva, more questions will rightfully be raised. We left it until the gasp last summer with one eye on Zuma and one eye on Tamori, only to miss out on both and end up flapping at Rojo on deadline day. 
the emergence of Holgate in December papered over the cracks uh, for our centre-back problem. Now here we are 12 months later and the best option seems to be a 36-year-old Thiago Silva on a free question mark. On the, so, basis, on the basis of that link with Thiago Silva and all the points he's just made, I absolutely agree with him. Couldn't agree with him more. I think it's, I think it's pathetic and embarrassing that, that we are scraping around for the players that you've mentioned there and, that the, and it doesn't seem like there were no other viable solutions or no other solutions out there that he could come up with. The one thing I would temper it with is we've been critical or I've been critical of the way that we've gone about our business in the transfer market before and that's been where we've made our business public and therefore we've ended up paying over the odds or other clubs have been alerted to the players we're after. And I was hoping and... I'm still confident this this has maybe happened, that we've done a lot more of our business behind closed doors. The players that you have mentioned are probably players that the clubs associated wanted to maybe get rid of them as well. And maybe they those are the ones who's alerted the media as to what was going on behind closed doors. Yeah. So it's a double-edged one. Um, I agree with the points he's made because we, we should absolutely, or I was expecting for them to be unearthing players that we maybe haven't heard of and, and players that we get a bit more value out of. That's what I thought the brand's move was about. Yeah. Well, the main, um, the main, a big point on that centre-back thing is you've had 12 months to identify what was a big problem last summer. So That's what I mean. And, and, and the only, thing I, can, silver. The only thing I can say is we, we, we don't know that, one, we don't know that the silver thing is true. There's been nothing apart from pure rumours and Everton have done this. There's nothing concrete to say that that's happened. Two, if it is going to happen, we also don't know if that's not the only addition. It might be we're bringing him in because we're bringing a really young centre-back in who's going to need someone like him to kind of work off because what you've got to accept at the moment is in our ranks at the back, we've got Michael Keane, who's an absolute bag of nerves and has got very little, very few leadership qualities. You've got Yeri Mina, who's had a season and a bit in the Premier League but has only played about 20-odd games. And we've got Mason Olgate again, who's a very promising centre-back, but again, is, is, is not really renowned for his leadership skills. So, I mean, you know, we don't know if that is one of the deals along with another one that's coming in. So I agree with what he's saying, but, you know, I think it's very early, like he's just pointed out in his message, to be putting on, you know, pressure on brands, albeit I think the jury's out until he, until he does address that, that, that position. I mean, just, it could turn out to be a genius sign. And Thiago Silva was, at one point, the best defender in the world. And he's one thing he certainly is, is a strong leader. Mm. And haven't been lacking that for a long time. So, you know, Holgate could force to be the defender that you all hope that he, he can turn into. You know, it might benefit him massively playing alongside Thiago Silva for six months. Look, that, and, and, and you know what? If we signed him for a season, I think, from, from what I believe, and if it's true, from what I believe the sticking point is that we're not willing to offer him more than a one-year deal which probably points to what Teddy was talking about before. If he's on massive wages and he's coming on a free, a one-year deal on massive wages maybe costs you 10 to 15 million at the very, very most. And if it does cost you 10 to 15 million, it's 10 to 15 million decent value for a centre-back that maybe brings on Mason Holgate, that brings on Yeri Mina and maybe gets something out of Michael Keane. It's not a bad deal all round if he also gets 20 appearance under his belt as well. But to take him on for two years on that type of wage then looks like a bit of an, another pretty slapdash move, you know, and, and, and again. Yeah, I, th- I, I, I think it's, you know, the point about him maybe bringing on players is a fair one, but if you're a club and you see yourselves as, you know, wanting to be up there challenging for top four and you're competing with the likes of, you know, Wolves and stuff like that, who've, who've got like a, you know, pretty good side and, and stuff now, is, is he is he the player that really you need to be focusing on? As Phil just said there, you've had a year to plan for, for a centre-half, to round this sort of segment up, if you signed Rodriguez and, and Silva, would you say that that's a good... Is that where the money should be spent on someone like a Rodriguez and, and, and skimper at the back? Do you know what I mean? No, it's, no, that's why I'm saying. Really be buying a proper that's why I'm, that's why, that's why I'm saying. That I, I, if this was the only deal we're making at the back and the only defender we're signing, then I would be highly critical of the whole thing. But mm. I'm, I'm reluctant to, to be that critical until I know and still I see what the, the end product is. Like he's alluded to there, if we, we start getting to the end of the window, and normally the end of the window would be the end of August or whatever, but we don't know when that's going to be. But if we get to the end of the window and we are scraping around and we haven't got any long-term cover there, then I will be critical of it. And like you say, if it's just hammers and it's just silver, that's nowhere near enough to address the problems we've got. And we should be spending our money 
more wisely. But you know, let's 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 watch this space. But very good question and good. Points. You say that um, Jose Mourinho it will be strongly in for Thiago Silva. He thinks of a Jose Mourinho signing, doesn't he? Old, it, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And hem- hemorrhage in the club. Hemorrhage yeah, exactly. in the club. He's out with like a major wage yeah. for like someone who's finished. Sticking on signings, then we've had a couple of questions and Sean Mack mentions it in his question. Uh, but Paul Lloyd wrote to us on the website. He says he's a massive fan of the show, so thanks a lot for that, Paul. And he wants to know, um, well, he thinks at 40 million, uh, Coutinho will be an absolute steal for Liverpool and he thinks we'd be mental not to sign him. Um, I'm not sure where he's getting the 40 million price tag from. I think it's been reported here and there. Um, I'm not sure how that deal will be structured. But Terry, even yourself, who's, who's been... Cautious about bringing Coutinho back at 40 million, you'd bite his hands off for it, wouldn't you? Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll be the first to say when when the first rumours surfaced last you know last season about Coutinho coming back and stuff, and it hasn't worked out for him. And should we be buying buy, buy back for 85 million? We sold him for 140 or whatever it was, you know, it's still a boss deal. I was very, very lukewarm on that, to be honest. And, and, you know, I, 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 and I think Gary on the pod was the same, you know, it f- feels like the team moved a little bit away from. Everything going through Coutinho, it hasn't worked out for him at previous clubs, you know, Barca and, and Bayern Munich on loan. And I just weren't, I weren't convinced that that was the right move to make at that sort of fee. I just thought you, you better making big plans for the future, you know, in terms of players who can be there for maybe five, ten years than buying someone who's going on 29 or whatever he is and, and, and has been there and, and, and we've been there with him previously. It's now that, you know, it seems Barcelona are pretty much dead certain to get rid of him and, and they're willing to take what is rumoured to be a, a, a now looking a very sort of enticing deal. A 40 million, I don't think you're really going to find anyone of his ability, you know, and, and, and ability to change a game who can come in and, and, and fit in that team. You know, I, I think if, if we're talking 40 million, then even I'm warming to that prospect, you know, or, or whether it would be a loan to buy or something along them lines to, to give give the club the opportunity to get him back in and, and, and sort the cash flows out with revenues and stuff. I think for 40 million pounds, Coutinho is, you know, tw- is he 28 or 29? He's, he's something around there, isn't he? Yeah, 28, and, I think. And we know what, what, what he's given us. He can play off the left. You know, he can play as a number 10. He, he, he'd function in that club team straight away without really needing too much work. I can't look around Europe and see that there's many players for 40 million quid who are going to come in and, and be able to do that straight away. So I think it would be a major improvement to the squad of 40 million pounds, definitely. Yeah, I mean, obviously, where he's been before, I think Barcelona have used him incorrectly. The, the big pressure on him to try and replace Iniesta. He was more of a midfielder. Um, then, you know, he's gone to Munich and, and I think he's been played out of position again. So I think he needs to come back somewhere where he's loved, appreciated, he feels comfortable. The manager knows how to utilise him properly. And if we can get anything like the player that, that we sold in 2014 or I think it was 2015, then you know he's worth 80 million as far as I'm concerned, if we can get that player. But at, at 40, I think it'd be... Uh, well, have you heard 40 million, Terry? Like, yeah, it was doing the rounds, wasn't it, on 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 social media? You know, and there was, I think it was in the back of one of the Irish papers. I don't know which which paper it was in in Ireland, but there was, you know, they covered it in there, and and it was an Irish journalist. I think who broke the, the story that it was rumoured that he pleaded with Klopp and said he'll take a pay cut, and there was talk of a fee of Barcelona would only need around around a forty odd million pound fee. Whether that's basically what's remaining of them, what they need to pay to Liverpool or something, and they just they just want to sort of draw a line under that whole you know business, yeah. I don't know. But there, there was James, certainly strong rumours of forty odd or fifty mil around that that sort of mark. Yeah, I saw James Pierce tweeting that he definitely has been on the phone to Klopp pleading pleading to come back. So he wants he wants to come back. That's for sure. Was that the real James Pierce though? Because it was a black <laughs> account doing the round saying that wasn't there. Oh, um, was there? Yeah, I'm not sure Could that it was definitely. Yeah, um, but this, you know, it's, I'm 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 of the opinion that you know will Coutinho come back to Liverpool? Yes, because I see him making a, a plea to Klopp and saying, "Look, you know, I, I accept it. Probably wasn't my move hasn't worked out, and I'd like to get back to Liverpool where I played my best football." Yes, you know, and and Keir Jacobian, who's his agent, he 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 probably knows that you know it's probably best for Coutinho to go back to Liverpool probably if he could. So I think there's definitely. There'll definitely be some some elements of that going on. Um, it's just for me, it comes down to whether the fee is right. I, I, I'm not sure that you know, given everything we've discussed about like clubs suffering financially, I'm, I'm not sure that I'd want to be spending 80, 90 million quid on Coutinho. If I'm honest, but 
Yeah. If we're talking, you know, 40 million, then it just swings it that little bit where I think I just can't see anyone else who's better. Okay. Um, before we get on to the Derby preview, then um, one more Liverpool question on social media. This was Steve via the website. He said, if Liverpool wrap up the league early, do you think Klopp will rest the big players and board the kids more? Or do you think he'll go for maximum points? No, I. I, I don't think... I mean, you might see one or two. I think, you know, the likes of Curtis Jones, who, who hasn't done himself any harm when he's been in the first team. Um, maybe one or two might get a little go, but I, I don't see him starting to make wholesale changes and, and, and basically, you know, resting players for large swads of, of what, what is, you know, arguably still the, the better part of like a quarter, well, a third of the season or a quarter of the season. Do you know what I mean? It's like... I, I, I don't. I, I think there's a chance for Liverpool to not just win this league, but win this league in record fashion. You know, 100 points is the target. Um, and we should be trying all out, I think, to get that, you know, to try and just make sure that this season, even though we've won the league, hasn't quite just gone with a bit of a whimper because of the, the lockdown and stuff. So I don't think Klopp's going to turn around and put all the players on holiday if we, once, once the league's won. But I, I do think there's a chance you might see one or two faces, but it'll be the faces that are already in and around the team anyway. Who, and, and I think it'll be used judiciously rather than just wholesale. Do you know what I, thought, I thoroughly expect? I mean, since, since Klopp's come in, to his credit, um, he's managed every season, although it's not been that many, to, to kind of slightly reinvent the team in, in terms of the way they play and the way they set up and approach games. I wouldn't be surprised to see him start to tinker with things like that as the season comes to a close so that he's ahead of the game a little bit because it's notoriously difficult, as every club knows, to retain the league. That's going to be the next goal and, and that's going to be the thing I think he's going to start drilling into the players is, look, we're going to have to come up with different ways of playing so that the likes of City and Chelsea and all that don't start to kind of, you know, clock onto the way we're playing and try and come up with a, a system that's going to oppose what we do and let's let's start to get ahead of the game. I think if he if he's the manager that everyone, you know, that, he, that, that everyone thinks he is and, and I'm pretty sure from your perspective you, you think he is, that I think that's something that'll probably be in his mind, as opposed, like you, you, you know, we started saying as though it's just let's just throw the kids out and see how they do. I don't think he's like that, is he? I don't think the mentality of the team was allowed that either. I no. think you know we've got five substitutions now for the rest of the season, haven't we? And I think if you've won on league, I think you're naive not to get that experience, not to take the opportunity to get the experience into the likes of Jones, um, Harvey Elliott, uh, what's the Welsh lad at right back? Nico Williams. Nico Williams. Yeah, Nico Williams. I, I think, you know, you're foolish if you don't get some experience. What, what, what an opportunity. Normally, you've only got the League Cup to do it. Yeah, so but that, that's, got... that's a bit different, isn't it? Preparing your players for next season, isn't it? Still, it's preparing them to be ready to come into the start, in the starting lineup if they yeah. need to be. And the other exactly. one, you've just mentioned Nico Williams there. It's possibly a chance to, to, to give Trent to go further up the pitch and see whether yeah. he can op- offer another option, whether it be in midfield or... And that's not to say that's his long-term position, but... I think the the more you know, the more players you can get, like your Milners, who can fit in in different positions, the more you know depth and quality that gives your squad as well. Yeah, yeah. I think I think Judge's right. For me, it'll be more using using some of them youngsters, but using them you know intelligently rather than just playing the rest of the season out with half the team of kids or anything like that. I think it'll be sprinkled one or two here and there, as you say, to get yeah. them the experience and, and work on tactics and stuff. But I I still think we'll have one eye on trying to get that record points all. And rightly so. Okay. Fair enough. Okay, well, obviously, without further ado, and I'll have to say at this point, we have lost Craig, as you've probably got from the last 10 minutes. He's having, having issues, and that's, that's the beauty of, um, of podcasts over Zoom. <laughs> um, so we, we are going to move on to the preview of the podcast. Just in case you do get Craig back, I'll, I'll let the red start first. There's obviously two of you's. Um, you know, start with a, a pretty simple question, but might be a simple question. How do you expect, how do you expect to line up? What are you expecting to see from, from Well, what? if you look at the Blackburn game, this is where it might have some relevance. Um, we've seen that Cater looked very sharp in that game. We've only seen 10 minutes, 12 minutes highlights. Um, but a lot of it was focused around some of his touches in midfield. There's one twos driving into the box, got himself a goal. Um, and then you have Minamino looking really good on the day as well. Um, but we've got a fully fit squad, so you'd, you'd expect the best 11. But whether Cater comes into that in the, in the advanced midfield role, um, is a question that I'd put to you, Terry. Um, I, I think there's a there's, there's a chance, but I, I I personally think Klopp will go with his best side. You know, which we all know what what that is. That you know, the, the normal front three, and the, and then I think you're probably going to see a Wijnaldum 
Fabinho and, and Henderson midfield, if I'm honest. Um, I think there's a chance that Keita comes on um, and, and, and possibly Minamino comes on, depending on how the game's going or whatever. But I, as, as, as sharp as he looked against Blackburn, you've got to temper the quality, the, the, the quality of the opposition. Do you know what I mean? It's, and yeah. it, it was a six-nil win. It's like so. You know that just sort of puts it into relief, doesn't it? I, I don't think Klopp's going to look at his first game back, and he's not going to want to get up. You know, so I don't think he's going to try and be overly adventurous and, and, and potentially risk. You know, getting st- restart the season with with a defeat or, or anything along the line. So I think I think he will go with the strongest team, given that they're all fit well, and, and, and ready to play. One interesting thing is that I don't think our front three, you know, preferred front three we're talking about, have ever started against Everton, and it's almost as though Klopp thinks. I don't want to risk any of them against Everton in case they're getting kicked and stuff. Yeah, well, there's been there's been mitigating factors for that though, hasn't it? For injury, there's been injuries and stuff. Them front three in case they get kicked against Everton. No, mate, come on. He never ever ever plays. Yeah, but it's been for different reasons, though, hasn't it? Reasons, reasons. Some of them haven't been fit. Yeah, there's been injuries and stuff. I don't think we've had all three available, and then the all three. I'm not sure we have. I'm not sure. I'd have to check that. I'd have to check that. Oh. I'm pretty sure the last game was that case, but any well, my point is generally anyway, Klopp never plays our strongest team against Everton ever. Well, I'm, I'm not even sure if that's the case either. Obviously, the the last couple of games have been a little bit different. The the league game, sorry, the the cup, the cup game was, was an exception, and that just seems to have been the 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 tack from from Klopp throughout the season. Um, the league game again was was on the back of the fact that I think he. You said that's a pretty tough run in, hadn't you? He's had a lot of games over that period yeah. anyway. Mm. So I, I, I'm, I'm not sure I'm buying into the fact that Klopp never plays his best team against Everton. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree. I, I think he would. I think he's been denied the opportunity and then the cup game is a bit of a special case because, you know, we had fixture pile-ups and stuff like that and he, he saw the opportunity. Everton, you know, weren't in great, great form or whatever and it was sort of, you know, I'm still putting a good enough side out. But I... I I can't see us coming back from this restart. Liverpool fans have been crying out for this. We want we want to get that league done and dusted as soon as possible. I'm not really expecting a, a really adventurous or or sort of kooky side out of Klopp, to be honest. I think he's going to put a strongest team out, get them points on, in the bag. Do you know what I mean? You don't want to come back. Imagine we come back and the first thing that happens, you get beat because he's put out a, a bit of a mad side that hasn't played together full stop, never mind, just since lockdown. Yeah. And then the, we get beaten. It, it, I'm. I'm not sure. I'm. I'm. Just, I just don't see it, me. I, I. I don't think that that is a, an intelligent thing to do. You know, you go with the best team, and we know what that is. And and, and I just think. I, I. I think. You want that certain, not not uncertain, obviously, but you want that security and knowing you've got your best players on the pitch, and you're not going to get. You're not going to receive the criticism if it doesn't go the right way. Well, Judgy, you've got a lot of injuries on your side. Can, can you begin to try and think of a lineup that you might put out? No, and, and well, yes, yes, and no. It, it's a difficult one because when we played Marco Silva's last game, we, we played we played five at the back or three at the back, whichever way you look at it. And, and we famously, <clears throat> famously, certainly for Silva, and we got terrorised that day. Um, when we played just in, in the cup, I mean, it was it was obviously a terrible night, you know, night in the end for us. But if we're going to be, if we're going to be, if we're going to take the emotion out of it. The game should have been over before you scored and before Curtis Jones scored that goal. Um, in terms of us missing chances, if you take a read on that game, um, and 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 then tempering what we've got available, I, I would I would go with four at the back, um, because that that probably picks itself. We've got no Yeri Mina, therefore we've only really got two fit centre backs. One option which you might go for, which I'm I'm assuming he won't, based on the 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 difficult time that we had playing three at the back against us is he might go with Seamus Coleman as a right-sided centre-back, Keane and Holgate as the other two centre-backs, and then have Sadibi on one side, Dean on the, on, the, on the left. That then takes a little bit of pressure off the midfielders that are in there as well um, because we, we, we are weak in the midfield at the moment in the way of, way of injuries and, and unavailability, I suppose. So we've got no Fabian Delph, uh, he's out. We've got no um, Schneiderlin who's injured and is potentially on his way to. Um, we, we've also got uh, Gomez who's, who's, a, who's a huge doubt. So if you assume all them are not playing, it only really leaves us with two fit senior centre midfielders, and that's Tom Davies and, and Gilfie Sigurdsson. Gilfie Sigurdsson as a, as a, as a shocker against you, against your kids in the cup. 
Um, you know, he didn't want the ball, didn't didn't cover the ground that's required in any Premier League game, let alone a derby game. So that concerns you. This is probably as good a chance as any now to, to discuss a question that was sent in by John to our website. I did mention it at the top of the show, and it was in relation to Mo Bezic. Um, he was referring to an article that the Phil Kirkbride had wrote in the Liverpool Echo regarding what went wrong. I think the title of the argument was what went wrong for Mo Bezic. Um, Phil, uh, sorry, John asked in particular for my for my opinion on the piece um, and, and whether, you know, but in particular whether Bezic was offered us more in you know perhaps in a four four two than than the likes of Schneiderlin and Davis, um I was initially I've got to say I was initially a fan of Bezic. I thought I thought he had all of the attributes, you know, to be a proper box to box midfielder. You know, he was obviously combative. He loved to tackle. Um, he was pretty decent on the ball. Um, I think what I would say, and and this is in defence of probably the managers who who haven't really uh, sided with him or gave him the opportunities. Um, I'm probably countering if you like John's suggestion. I just don't think he's got the discipline to, to, to be a to be a centre midfielder in the Premier League. Um, I think he's got all of the technical attributes and, and I suppose if you put all of the pieces together, um if it was that simple in football, you, you would have a player that was that could that could really offer us something. But unfortunately he's just he's never been able to do that and put it all together. I, I would actually probably compare him slightly to Tom Davis in that sense, is that Tom Davis has got all of the tools as well, but you know for different reasons. Um, no, sorry, he's got different tools to Mo Bezic, but again, he's got all the tools to be a top centre midfielder, but he just hasn't been able to to put them together. And and similarly, to a certain extent, doesn't tend to suggest he's got that discipline to play in that centre midfield role. Um, I think the one thing that Tom Davies has probably got on his side, well, certainly got on his side, is a little bit more youth, or a lot more youth than Bezic now, but it's probably a similar age um, to, to when Bezic first really made an impact as a 23-year-old, I think, I think with us. Um, but to cut to the chase, um, and to answer to John's question, he'd be a nice option to have in there, um, but would he fit in in a 4-4-2 alongside some of the players we've got? Probably not, I don't think. Um, I think his lone move to Middlesbrough, in fact, he hasn't set the world alight there um, and, and hasn't done enough to really command the championship side to come and really show a strong interest in him, tells you everything you need to know about him. Um, so that's probably me drawing a line under that, but really good shout, John. And, and I know a lot of Evertonians have called for, for, for Bezic, you know, in the absence of having that fight and, and combativeness in there. And I do completely get it, but I think we've got to kind of look beyond him and, and maybe move, move forwards. Um, ahead of them in terms of the forward positions, you know, I, I think the front three, and, and it, this almost kind of picks the team or... We should be revolving our team almost around the front three. I think Bernard, Richarlison and Dominic Calvert-Lewin should absolutely be the first three names on the team sheet. And then our shape should kind of be dictated by those three. Now, the two ways we can we can play that is if we played the 5-3-2, if you like, we go with Davis and Sigurdsson uh, holding them in field with Bernard in front of them as, as a bit more of that playmaker. And then Richarlison and, and Calvert-Lewin up top as a front two. I think they've looked really good as a front two. I think that's when we've been our most our most dangerous with them, you know, as a pair up there. I think it's probably the the, the the attacking combination that could cause you most problems. If you think of the the Wofford game, albeit they didn't play a front two, it was with Deeney and it was with kinds of pace off Deeney. I think that's where we could potentially cause you problems is by playing two up front. Um the other the other alternative to that is Obviously, playing the back four, which would be Coleman, Keane, Holgate and, and Dean. The midfields of um, Davis, Sigurdsson, um, like a 4-2-3-1. So, Davis and Sigurdsson behind Bernard, Richarlison. Um, Calvert-Lewin. Yeah, well, no, it, it, it'd, be a, it'd have to be a 4-2-3-1. Um, so, it, I'm starting to run into problems there. A Wobie would, would definitely come into the side, to be fair. So, it was a 4-2-3-1. He's had Davis and Sigurdsson in the two deeper midfielders, in the two deeper midfield positions, sorry. Sigurdsson, um, Bernard on the left-hand side. Um, uh, uh, Richarlison on the left and a Wobie in, like, the number 10 position behind Calvert-Lewin. I say that line-up and I'm not convinced that by, by, by myself either. So, Albeit, I'm not convinced by the five at the back. I think that um, Ancelotti will see it as the best way to get the three, you know, most influential players being our attackers in the positions that they are probably most comfortable. 
do you think you'll come at us or do you think you'll wait patiently for your opportunity or I think um, when we played against Blackburn um, Mowbray said at the end it was impressive to see what a what a machine pressing machine Liverpool are so I was thinking that's obviously in preparation for the Everton game where we've stepped up, stepped up that press there against Blackburn yeah so well be an opportunity I, to play on the counter if he's if he's watched that yeah, I, I, th- I think with the way you press and, and the fact that Ancelotti hasn't had enough time to really oil this machine or whatever machine from an Everton perspective he's trying to create, I think you'll be tempted to, to miss out, you know, the, that midfield or the deeper midfield position and not try and play out, which, which leads me to believe that he will go with the front two, as i.e., you know, um, Cal- um, Calvert-Lewin and, and Richarlison with Bernard behind them so that, that we don't have to try and play through that midfield and we can miss it out. That, I think, is our, our best chance of getting any success, either attacking by the flanks, which, you know, if you've got a Bernard, Bernard will happily support on the left-hand side. If you've got a Richarlison, even playing as a forward, he can happily support on the right-hand side. I think that's our best, best chance, getting the ball forwards into those areas and, and looking to try and play our football in your half as opposed to trying to play out and giving you the opportunity to, to then press. Yeah. But, right then. But, but, but look, I, I think the priority to, to reiterate it has got to be to try and get the best out of our, our front three players and give them the chance to try and hurt you as opposed to trying to nummify your forward lines. I don't think we've got the players to do that. Yeah, your yeah. back five, you saying playing the back five would be interesting to me because that's the, when teams have done that to us, that's the one that I've felt has, has sort of caused us some, some issues, you know, in, in terms of pegging back our full-backs and, and, and sort of forcing Trent to hit balls from like the halfway line sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So it, playing, that, playing a back five, I think it will be will be an interesting development and, and, and I wonder how, that, how we'd sort of, you know, if we think that Everton are going to do that, how, how we'd approach it because I, I definitely think that's, the, I don't know whether you agree, Phil, but that's the formation that I think is just United's done it to us, didn't he? Yeah, United's done it a few times to us and, and, and it's, it's the formation that's just threw a little spanner in the works for us a, a couple of times. So well, Baines and Coleman are a little bit old to be playing that full. It's, it's Luca Dean. Luca Dean oh, will be Luka on the Dean, left and it'd be Sadibi would be on the right. It wouldn't be okay. Coleman. Coleman, in my opinion, based on who we've got available, he'd be a right-sided centre-back. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Dean in the middle. It's Dean in the middle, Keane in the middle, and Holgate on the left. That way, you've got Pacey the size of of yeah. Keane. Um, I, I, I think that back five will be maybe a formation where you know at Phil's point before, do you see Cater playing? I think it's maybe if if you've got a masked back five, like where we've got a them 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 sort of balls in behind that are probably less fruitful. You know, using Trent as, as a sort of quarterback or whatever. I think maybe then you would start looking at someone who can carry the ball from midfield and try yeah. and sort of beat a man to try and break them lines down because I think you know that that's where a 4-3-3 and our traditional midfield three and, and front three probably struggles a little bit um, but yeah. it, it, so I, I think there's more interesting questions for Liverpool depending on what Everton do than, than, than what I think we will do if, if, if we just you know sort of have everyone available I'd play the, the strongest team but I guess that's why the managers they've got that game of chess to play between themselves haven't they as to how they set up, you know. And, yeah, and... it's a mad one because normally, as the as the weaker side, and look, even as an Evertonian, we're considerably the weaker side in this scenario. You'd normally be trying to go, well, how do we try and put put up a, a lineup that just nummifies them? I don't think we've got the the personnel to do that. And ironically, like you say before, I think our best solution could also be the best chance of. Not nummifying you, but making it more difficult for you. I thought that when we come into the, the league game, that playing a, a back three or a back five would be the answer, but tactically, it just wasn't, they weren't prepared for it. You could mm. see that by how high they played the line that they weren't prepared for it. But mm. I, I honestly think that based on the players we've got available and based on you know the fact that we should be looking to play to our strengths um, because you know it's our best chance and we haven't got the, you know, I don't think we've got the, the steel in there to really make it anything else but that. I think playing a five at the back is our best chance. What are you doing for it then? Are you all just watching it at home on your own? or? Well, it's, it's, it's one of them for me. I mean, I've got my wife ready to drop number two and I've, I'm, I'm with you a week tomorrow. By the way, so... for the listeners, Teddy's wife is not going to the toilet. Dropping a number two, <laughs> yeah, baby number two, and, and as I say, the, the due date's a week to a week tomorrow, so there's every chance that you know I might end up watching it in the hospital, um, depending what happens. Um, but other than that, I think I'll have to be on my best behaviour. No beers, ready to drive yeah. in case they get the call. <clears throat> yeah, I'm thinking of having a barbecue and maybe a, a bit of a screen 
outside or something. Um, yeah. I'm not sure how many people be willing to <laughs> to risk the uh, the social socially distanced derby yeah. barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, same here, to be honest. We're, we're going to try and have a barbecue up here. I've got work going on at the moment at the back of the house, so it's it's going to be a bit of a... It's not, it's not going to be very very pleasant out there. But, yeah, <laughs> I think it's Father's Day as well, like I said, at the opening. Um, so yeah. I think we're going to have a little barbecue and invite my dad round. Again, like, like you said, Phil, safely, uh, mm. s- safely uh, you know, consume some burgers and then hopefully I, I can have a few beers, my... my I'm tying a knot in mine, so there's no more kids in the way from me. <laughs> um, so yeah, hopefully I can I can take this take the edge off it with a few beers. So yeah, if the league is on the line, <clears throat> will it bring you satisfaction to say, "Well, we stopped them beating us and I'm, I caught us in extra um, satisfaction because of that"? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want that to be the case. I, I don't want that to be the game. I don't think it's going to be in, in our interest. But yeah, hypothetically, if we, if we were to beat you and, and just delay that process that that it gives us a, a little bit of satisfaction but no no more than that because it, it'd be it'd be the whole thing of well, we're just going to win it next week anyway yeah. so I, I don't really want to focus that on uh, i don't want that to be the focal point of the game whichever way it is because even if city win and we beat you it'll still be our oh, well don't, don't be don't be making it about the league because we'll just win it next week anyway yeah, I just want to try listen, and win as derby game that's that that's enough we can, of a motivation if, for us if we can win it at goodison and we don't Usually have a video out the day we stop Liverpool <laughs> behind closed doors. You know it and I know it. DVD is not going to have the same value with those choosy, choosy supporters, isn't it? <laughs> Listen, no matter what's happening, none of us will be going on the ground, that's for sure. And we'll Absolutely. be making sure none of our mates do or anything like that. So as a podcast, anyone who's listening, we urge you, please, please do not go to the ground. Yeah, uh, represent well, the clubs in the best light you can. One thing that we have forgot to mention, which, uh, you know, in, 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 given that it is the Derby, is we actually, I don't know whether the listeners remember, but we actually done a recording for Premier League Productions, um, which was a Derby preview show that we filmed, four of us, two of the Reds and two of the Blues done, and it was way back in March, it feels a lifetime ago, to be honest, since mm-hmm. we've done it. it does, yeah. But, but um, obviously it got, it, it was all ready to go before the Derby, and then it got sort of put on ice until we found out what, what the situation was with the season, um, but... They have been in touch with us and, and, and told us that it, it is going to be, be screened. Um, so Across the Park podcast is, 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 is going to show up on the, on the Premier League preview show. You get to see me, Phil, Judgy and Craig um, <laughs> in, in a pub, basically doing a little spot, a little pre-Derby spot. And then we recorded me and Craig recorded a couple of little comments today with them to just sort of put on alongside it, you know, just explaining like the, the delay and stuff like that. So really looking forward to seeing that go out. Um, I think the Premier League preview show was shown on Sky Sports and BT Sport, um, and there's various different showings to like over over a couple of days. So I think, I think there's there's, there's definitely um, on Sky Sports on Sky Sports Premier League, um, and it'll be shown at uh, four o'clock on Friday, and then it gets repeated at six in the morning and ten in the morning on Saturday. Um, and I think there's also an eleven o'clock in the night showing on Friday night as well. So and 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 various different slots on BT Sport. So plenty of opportunities for the listeners to uh, to get to watch us mugs in the boozer, you know, with a, a pre-derby <laughs> pre-derby show. Yeah, no, it it does. You're right. It does feel like a, a lifetime ago, but it, it was a good day. And again, it, it and and I know that, like you say, you, you've recorded a, an update to it as well. It's interesting to hear. It'll be interesting to watch back some of our comments that we made and and how relevant they still are to this point and listen yeah. I quite enjoyed it so if there's any directors out there who like what they see um, get in touch with the show <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, absolutely but no really looking forward to seeing it and, and you know and, and, and seeing how it comes out as you say like to, just to sort of get some context to it because it would have been a, I can't think when it was now but it would have been around the Atletico Madrid game that it was that, you know that it was recorded so that that just feels so long ago it was so it was it, wasn't, wasn't it just before the second leg or something or was possibly it just I can't even yeah, remember it was it just before the second leg because we had to do a few takes of you know if you'd have beat them and if you didn't beat them and stuff and, yeah. and how the, the scenario would be slightly different but no it was just, yeah it'll be, it'll be good for us to watch and, and again great for Post the listeners and particularly our loyal listeners who've been with us from day one to see us on, on the big screen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And just on the ATP extra front, we just uh, put out a, a blue podcast with the physio, haven't we? The Evan Physio Rathbone. Baz Rathbone. Um, yeah. yeah. And we're getting loads of positive feedback about that. So it's a really good one. Any blues out there who haven't listened to it yet, make sure you do. 
on the red side, we've recently recorded a couple. I did one with Ricky Lambert, which is an amazing one. Some people are going to really enjoy really, that really one. good. Yeah, really good. Yeah. Um, you know, Jay Spearing's on there. We 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 we've just, at Blues as well. We we've just done one with uh, with Kevin Ratcliffe. Delighted to announce um, that that. We haven't quite got a release date on that. We've only just done that, so we've still got to do some editing and, and run. And Kev, thankfully, has said that we can release that as soon as the editing's done. So that'll be coming to you soon. So yeah, plenty and of extras. On the red side, on... Yeah, we've we've well, we've got David Price as well. We've done one with David Price, didn't we, on the red side? So you know that was a really good pod. Just having a chat with him, a big red. Um, yeah. So loads of content, lots. but we just wanted to get the derby out the way and stuff, and then we'll see how the league's panning out, and we'll release them. We'll let you know on our social media when when you can when you can find them. Super. Well, I think that's about all we've got time for. And thanks, thanks everyone for listening. Stay safe, as always, and, and hope you can all in, enjoy the derby this weekend and also the return of Premier League football. Take care. See you, speak to you all soon.